This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Weekdays at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. At Gallant Says on Twitter. Text into the show at 710-710. Oh, hello and welcome into the Paul Gallant Show on Friday, April 9th of 2021. I'm Paul Gallant and this is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle and Washington Nay, the world, a program you can jump aboard on the text line 710-710 by tweeting me at Gallant Says or Facebook.com slash Paul Gallant Sports. We are accepting all takes today because it is a Friday and we want to wrap the week up in as fun a way as we possibly can. Unfortunately, a little difficult to do that today. First off, DMX passed away at the age of 50. DMX is perhaps one of my favorite artists of all time to sing along to. And you try to do it in the same voice as him. It's going to give it to you. Not very good at it. I once did it because somebody in karaoke form, someone refused to go up on stage and sing the DMX part of a song. So I went up and I tried to do it for about an, a minute in his voice and I couldn't talk the next day. It's very difficult to do. But we're going to miss DMX. Also, not exactly the f- most fun of news. James Paxton, it looks like he is going to need Tommy John surgery. And the Mariners, they got shelled yesterday. And once again, Marco Gonzalez not looking so good. So my question to you, the question of the day to open things up, we're going to introduce the sunshine scale. It's going to be basically how we feel optimism-wise about any team that we watch on a regular basis. We'll start it with the Seattle Mariners, who, of course, lose yesterday. One to ten, one being not feeling this at all. This is the worst, too. Ten being, they're still going to win the World Series, Dagnabbit. You get to pick. Where are you at? One through ten. And we did get a couple of responses to open the show on Twitter. (laughs) My friend, Matt Gilbert, tweets in, one, I can only be pleasantly surprised from here on out. But Jacob Wall says, five, I love seeing future pieces like France and Torrens hitting. I love Taylor Trammell's approach, and I think his hits will start coming. I'm hoping Evan White can make more contact. I'll be a little more optimistic when Kyle Lewis and Shedlong can get on the field and when the pitchers settle in. Okay, so some variance there. I'm at about a two. And I know because it was a week ago where I was probably at a six. Sorry, I'm a little bit overreactionary. It is a long baseball season, and as a football fan, I like to overreact to small moments in time. But the bummer that I feel the most right now that hit me the hardest in the gut is that on paper, the Mariners starting pitching looked like it was going to be a strength this year. Marco Gonzalez was awesome last year. He gets shelled for the second straight game yesterday, and control is once again an issue. Justice Sheffield closed out the year strong for the Mariners last year. His first start left a lot to be desired. James Paxson, of course, I I doubt we'll see him again this year. Maybe we never see him in a Mariners uniform again. I do think they should think about bringing him back next year should he go through with Tommy John surgery, which takes about a year to recover from. And Justin Dunn, too. I mean, he had eight walks. So, yeah, Chris Flexen's in the mix. He had a solid start. That's all you can really write home about with your starting pitching – Outside of Yusei Kikuchi, who was extremely inconsistent last year, but did give me some super positive vibes on Friday when he started the game the way that he did. Is this pitching staff going to bounce back 7-10, 7-10? Do you trust Marco Gonzalez to be able to get back on the horse? 
That was a rough, rough start. Here is Jerry DePoto, who joined us yesterday for his regular Thursday visit, talking about the Mariners' starting pitching. And frankly, with our starting pitching in general, you know, with the exception of what I thought was a, an outstanding start by Yusei and, and a really solid outing by Chris Flexen, our starting pitching, which we think is is pretty good, uh, needs to be better than it was these first six games. And, and Justin needs to command the strike zone better if he's going to, to evolve into a steady starting pitcher in this league, that's for sure. Some responses on the text line, 710-710, from the 206, negative 6 on the 1 through 10 sunshine optimism scale. Another texter from the 425 writes, 1, pouring rain. But Andrea says 5 because it's early, and I am neither overly optimistic or pessimistic at that point. Another texter, the sun never stops shining just because some clouds are in the way. 10 out of 10 because we're on the way. You know what? I appreciate those Friday vibes from you texter in the 724 how about that okay guys something else i want to discuss and has to do with the seattle seahawks shane waldron i've said a couple of times is the seahawk with the most pressure on him in 2021 as a group the seahawks defensive line is number two i like that they changed up their defense last year that they started blitzing a little bit more But they were blitzing out of desperation. They were blitzing because they had no ability to rush the passer the first half of the season. They used Jamal Adams a lot. They used Bobby Wagner more than they've ever used Bobby Wagner before blitzing. And look, the pass rush did improve down the stretch. But you have to wonder, okay, if this pass rush is going up against competent quarterback play, which you will get more of in the NFC West this coming season, I assume at the very least Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be healthy for the games against the Seahawks. It's not going to be Nick Mullins or C.J. Bethard that's going up against you. Then on top of that, the Rams upgraded at quarterback from Jared Goff. It's not John Wofford or Jared Goff with one thumb going up against you. It's, it's Matt Stafford. And Kyler Murray, you would think, will finally take a step forward. What's going to happen if you blitz against those guys every single play? You're probably going to get taken advantage of. It is huge for this Seahawks defensive line to be an impactful force that can actually affect the game and not just have it be because of someone like Carlos Dunlap and his ability. Kerry Hyder is the lone addition to the Seahawks pass rush this offseason, unless you count the eventual getting on the field of Daryl Taylor. He had an interesting thing to say about the entirety of the Seahawks defensive line. Well, as a group, we just have to hit them in waves. You know, no one rusher can do it. You know, you need guys hitting them in waves. Guys don't need to be out there the entire game. You know, we want to, we want one, two, three units, whatever we can to go out there and keep pressure on the quarterback. For myself, I just, like I mentioned earlier, it's just the versatility and be able to slide in whatever group I can. You know, if I got to go in, I can do that. If I need to go inside, three technique in the series, I can do that. Just a group for the versatile players and guys that can, you know, that won't stop and just keep coming. Waves of defenders. I love hearing that. When I watched the, Super Bowl Seahawks from afar during the Legion of Boom days. I always felt that the Seahawks pass rush was eventually going to beat you because they could throw waves of pass rushers against an offensive line. And while that defensive line stayed relatively fresh over the course of a game, your offensive line, which for the most part is going to keep the same five guys in for a whole game, they're eventually going to get tired. 
And if you want to make a similar comparison, you know, in New England, one of the reasons that New England, I think, plays as well as it has historically, not just because of Tom Brady, is because they are one of the most supremely conditioned teams in the league. When you have a ton of bodies to throw out on the defensive line, you just have an extra edge at the end of the game. You want to have that ability to close things out. And at the very least on paper, the Seahawks sure have a whole lot of bodies. And if we take a look at this offseason, where they will be going into 2021 with, they are going to have Carlos Dunlap, Benson Mayoa, LJ Collier, Puna Ford, Alton Robinson, Rasheen Green. We'll see with Brian Monet. They add Kerry Hyder. They hopefully will have Daryl Taylor back. The only change is in that of Jaron Reed, and I will say with Jaron Reed, you know, I've never been the biggest Jaron Reed fan. It's not to say that he won't necessarily be a loss. It's not a whole lot of change from last year to this year, but there is continuity. So, another question for you to answer for me on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle and Washington, nay, the world. Tell me why this Seahawks pass rush is better than last year's. There's continuity. There's not a lot of change. Are they going to take the necessary step forward to assist the offense and give this team consistent play defensively like they did get down the stretch but against some bad quarterbacks? Text in 710-710. It's the backup quarterbacks that shred the Hawks. Nick Mullins did have a pretty good game against them, at least statistically. C.J. Beathard did have the Seahawks on the ropes at the end of the game. It is a weird dynamic. Remember when Brett Hundley, oh, God, Brett Hundley beat the Seahawks in 2019. That was, that was bad. Another texter asks, do you think that our historically bad secondary might contribute to our pass rush seeming subpar? It might, but... I feel like with the way that they do play defensively, you have a pretty good feel for what you're getting out of your corners every single play. It's it's a lot about staying on top more so than it feels in this cover three, from my understanding of it, about you know making sure that you are man-to-man locked down with a wide receiver for the entirety of the play. And they did do a little more of that last year, specifically with DJ Reed, who I thought looked really good in that role. I I think it was more about the guys that they had rushing the passer. And then when they finally had them all healthy midway through the year, it looked good, but is it going to look good against the best quarterbacks? So Al Woods, as another texter, texts in. That's a good point. I forgot to add Al Woods in there. Makes them Super Bowl bound. That's that's extreme. (laughs) It is 10-12. It's time for What's Trending with Maura Dooley, brought to you by Kings Heating and Air. Maura, what's going on? Happy Friday. Hey, thank you. Are you... Are you mad at me for throwing my flag on you? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I, how could I be mad at you? I mean, <laughs> I know that my take on grilled cheese is is one that no trash. one else shares, or as Morris says, trash. <laughs> one texter says that my that I am uh, the Dennis Rodman of food critics. <laughs> I guess I don't know what that means. Am I, is, is it that I'm trying too hard to be different, or that I'm just weird? Probably the latter. Look, it's a weird take, but. So to, to sort of shift the attention away from the fact that I don't like cheese, I just think it's embarrassing that the Masters' number one food is a cheese sandwich. Come on. It's the Masters. There should be filet mignon kebabs. And we get cheese. $1.50 cheese sandwiches. <laughs> I want to live that bougie life if I'm going to the Masters, not eat essentially something that I could make myself when I was seven years old. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. <laughs> Um, we got to some Carlos Dunlap sound in this show yesterday. He joined you and Danny on Danny and Gallant. 
But you referenced this cut. We didn't get a chance to play it. Uh, I thought it was pretty interesting. He spoke about Russell's offseason and his opinion on some of the comments that were made. You know, and these are my my opinion. You know, um, he you know he made he made a mistake, uh, voiced his words, and and they were all taken the way that they were taken. Um, I'm not sure if that's how he meant or what he meant. But at the end of the day, um, I know his heart comes from a good place. He wants to win and he wants to compete at the highest level. And he feels like we have the ability to do so. And he just wants to encourage and, you know, um, have more support in, in doing so. And it is what it is. He's not criticizing Russell Wilson there, Mora. He is, I think, highlighting something that I imagine some of the players feel that the PR fallout from this is, I think, something that Russell did not envision coming. And it came, and I don't think he's comfortable in that spot. And I'm sure that he has acknowledged that discomfort with any player who has asked him, hey, what's going on? I don't know what's happening here. And while I respect you having the stones to say, this is what I want. This is what I need. At the same time, if I'm one of his teammates, not even necessarily an offensive lineman who he somewhat threw under the bus, I'm just wondering, okay, what's happening here? And hearing that Dunlap said he made a mistake, I I hope this means that Russ has actually had conversations with some of the veterans, that they're all on the same page, and that we can at least bury this for an offseason. What do you read on it, Maura? How did you take this? Yeah, my thought was that Russell, either maybe it was a one-on-one because Carlos said that he asked Russell straight up, like, hey, if I want to come back here. I want to know that you're here. Um, but I, I kind of got the feeling that maybe Russ has had some conversations with his teammates. Mostly, I think the offensive line had the most to be offended by. You know, Carlos- How would you have that conversation if you're in Russell's shoes? What would you do to initiate the, hey, guys, uh, about those comments? I think you would just need, if, if that's not how he felt, even if it is, I think you go in saying that's not what you meant to say. Uh, I think he just needs to clarify where his actual frustration was and say it wasn't meant to be calling you guys out. And and then I think they let it go. Those guys know what they have in Russell Wilson. And as long as he makes it clear that he wasn't trying to put them on blast on national television, I think it's I think it's water under the bridge if he clears that up. If you want to win, winning is fun. You do want him around. Maybe Russ will yeah. offer them uh, pimento cheese sandwiches as well. I mean, well. he gave them pretty sweet offensive line gifts last year. You know how all the quarterbacks do that? Uh, I can't remember which lineman we talked to, but he, he gave them, like, tricked-out scooters. Oh, nice. But whoever we talked to described it as basically like a the Harley Davidson of, of scooters, yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. All right, what's up next and what's trending? All right, next up, uh, the Mets won a game uh, in an interesting situation yesterday when Michael Conforto pretty much just stepped into getting hit by a pitch for the win. And I just love that their broadcast team was, they cannot be accused of being homers. They were not about it. They're saying the play stands, game's over, the Mets win it. Wow. Wow. That's Michael Conforto clearly stuck his elbow into and Mattingly's coming out and arguing, but I'm sure he's going to be told that that's not reviewable. But you're trying to get it right. They don't get it right, so why even have replay? 
So Michael Conforto gets a game-winning RBI by sticking his elbow into the pitch from Anthony Bass and the Mets rally for two in the bottom of the ninth and only now can they fully celebrate as the umpires say that the game is over. What a bizarre way to end the game. And I actually had to trim that down. They were chastising him much more even before that. It was a long cut. They should be chastising replay as well there, Mora. A question for everybody on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle and Washington, nay the world. And we've got a lot of questions on the table for you today. But what do you prefer in a broadcaster? Especially one that's doing the home team, your team, every single night. Because that is someone who's looking at things quite objectively. I'm not going to lie. There is a part of me that likes to have not a homer who's whiny, like many would argue I am. I like to have a psychopath homer. I want someone who is just outrageously on the side of one team to the point that, I don't know, maybe they're like old Boston Celtics announcer Johnny Most, who basically would call the Detroit Pistons yellow on the air. (laughs) There's something about having a just completely delusional to the point of super fandom broadcaster who is willing to lose his mind in the same way that some people are losing their mind while watching the games. I bet there's some Mets fans out there who are like, hey, Hey, don't try to take this dub away from us. Come on. We're the Mets. Everything's always bad. What do you like, Mora? Do you like to have a psycho homer, or do you like it to be objective and straight down the middle? Oh, man. I do like listening through some of those old Johnny Most calls. I think it's hilarious. Uh, Yeah, if you're a fan of that team, you love having the homer, I think. But obviously, when you're listening to a broadcast like that and you're not a fan, it's awful. This hour of the Paul Gallant Show is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. Maura Dooley brings you what's trending every single morning afternoon around 10.15. Yeah, around 10.15 or so. I forgot what hour I was in. Classic Friday vibes, am I right, guys? <laughs> so, questions for you. Sunshine Scale, what's your Mariners optimism level one week into the year? One low, 10 high. Tell me why this Seahawks pass rush is better than last year's. Lots of things on the table. It's time for you guys to be heard, 206-421-3776 is how you call in. Text in 710-710. says on Twitter, Facebook.com, slash Paul Galan Sports. Here we go. Your voice, your opinions. It's time to be heard. Every day at 1015 with Paul Gallant. Be heard. Text in 710-710 on the broadcast side of things. My broadcast people for games, Wyman, Riz, Flowers. All I need. It's a pretty good combination that you've got here. I have been deep diving into some Dave Niehaus, and I am not going to lie. It's so cool to hear some of the calls that he was making back in the day. Honestly, because on the sunshine scale, I am feeling so sad about the Mariners. I'm at a two. We're doing it one through ten. I think I might watch the double tonight. I have it on DVD. I have the whole game. I have yet to watch the entirety of the game. I might watch this and live tweet about it or something like that. Because There you go. No game tonight. Yeah, there's no game tonight. And honestly, I am just super pumped about the Mariners right now. The pitching staff's not good at all. Oh, and I know it's been a week. And I know I'm being overreactionary. But I just thought it was going to bring more to the table this year. You know, the lineup, they're going to get reinforcements with Jared Kelnick. We'll see what Logan Gilbert does. I, honestly, I, I think pitchers coming up into the majors, you never really know what you're going to get. 
But James Paxton, Tommy John surgery, and Marco Gonzalez just getting shelled yesterday. Boy, it's a punch to the gut. And I am right now doubled over, gasping for air. 710, 710 on the sunshine scale. Three for this year, eight for the future, writes 425 on the text line. I do like that you put in the future there. I really do like that. Because we do have to take things with a bit of a grain of salt this season. We all know that this is a team that has zero expectations on it this year. Some tweets. At Gallant says, Greg says, I'd say three. They're two innings away from being one and six. Yeah, that's that's why I'm at a two. Two, Haniger looks healthy. France can hit some. Outside of that, the pitching is subpar. Too many walks, no power, and too many Ks. That's from John on Twitter. One, writes Jennifer. Jeez, this is depressing. We all know this story and how it ends. Okay, well, uh, Friday, Friday. Going to get down on Friday. We are not. We are getting down, but we are getting down in the absolute wrong way. Text in. Small sample size, but Vegas had them at 71 wins, and they're probably going to be spot on. I think I said 76 more. You had 79, right? You split the distance in, uh, between uh, Danny and I. Danny had yeah. 82. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin and Bopple writes, time to put a staple in our glorious big maple. I, I hope it's not the end. I hope that they give him a shot next year. I, I, I see no harm with thinking to yourself, you know what? He has Tommy John surgery. It's just a one-year contract. But on the other side of this, there's no harm, right? And I I think those who are looking for reasons to criticize Jerry Depoto, and I know there are many of you out there, and perhaps rightfully so, given that he has been at the helm for a while and we have not seen the success out of the Mariners that we would like to to this point, I would not fault him a bit for this move. This is the kind of move, low-risk, high-reward move that you make. It's a one-year contract. It's $8.5 million. What else were you going to spend that $8.5 million on? James Paxson, at the very least, gave you, if he succeeded, the potential to acquire the kind of prospects that DePoto did at the end of last year in the Austin Nola trade. I mean, Ty France looks awesome to this point, and that's really the best thing that the Mariners have going for them right now. It's the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle and Washington, nay, the world. 710-710. Guess who's coming up next? The one and only Graz. If you have a question for the Graz, we will try to get some of them in next. I want to know how the Graz is feeling about the Mariners. Man, it's feeling like that train has definitely gone off the tracks at least one week into the season. It's the Paul Gallant Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's 1030. And that means it's time to get in the sports pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, and if you don't have some freaking toughness, you're going to get your, you're going to, you're going to fail. With Paul Gallant. We do have some news for the Seattle Seahawks. They re-signed Demarius Randall, who was a safety for them last year. They are moving him to cornerback. So, filling out that cornerback roster, but no real big name that potentially you look at and say, hey, this guy's starting caliber. But right now... More importantly, on a Friday to wrap up our week, thanks to our friends in Mac and Jack's Brewing Company, we bring in the great and powerful Graz, David Grosby, who, Graz, you got your second vaccination shot yesterday? I'm, I'm, I'm clean. 
I'm clean, man. I'm I'm two weeks away from from full immunity. Huzzah! Well, that's fantastic to hear, Roz, and hopefully that means that I can actually see you soon. I miss you, buddy, and I feel I like miss you too. We I feel like we need to go sit somewhere and be really loud and annoy the uh, table next to us over a uh, beverage or two because that's the way it's we roll. It's a unique skill that we possess. Yes, it's a unique <laughs> skill that we possess for sure. We can be heard from miles away. <laughs> <laughs> All right, a question for you, Roz. I'm 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 a little bummed. I'm feeling too. I just invented the sunshine scale as far as optimism right now. Because the Mariners just saw James Paxton potentially have the need to get Tommy John surgery, and because Marco Gonzalez has had two rough starts to open up the year, man, I'm looking at the starting pitching on this team. I'm looking at the shaky parts of the lineup. The optimism that I had that this team could maybe be a sneaky contender or just at least frisky enough to keep our attention for the entirety of the year, it's wavering. 1 to 10 optimism level, where are you at right now with the Seattle Mariners? Before I get to that, I just I cannot believe the Paxton thing. I mean, right. what is up with the baseball gods? We've had enough. It's <laughs> enough already. It's 20 years. It's enough. You know, I call it the curse of Lou Pinella for no good reason, except when the Mariners fired Pinella when they shouldn't have. They never made it back to the postseason. And it's not like he holds a grudge. I mean, he does those nice ads for the uh, for the uh, retirement home in, in town. And they had a big Lou Pinella day uh, a couple years back with 50,000, and, and a great time was had by all. But... I don't know what it is. I mean, we're talking Tuesday about feeling good about this rotation. I know. Looking forward to seeing James Paxson's first start. How could he possibly need Tommy John surgery? It has to be Tommy John surgery. Couldn't just have a bad arm. Oh. And it has to be Paxton, the one guy that were going to set up the Maple Grove, which was really pretty cool when they had it the last time. Uh, set it up out in the outfield. I mean, the one sort of thing where fans can play along with with uh, with players. And, and the baseball gods say, no, you can't only have not only have that, but he's never going to pitch again. Or if he does, it's going to be in two years. So, uh, I just yeah, enough baseball gods, enough. I bought a, not answer. I bought a Maple Grove T-shirt, Ross, and I was so excited to join the cults. And it I, was cool. I'm not even going to get to wear it. I haven't even worn it it's, yet. <laughs> it's this 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 pounding of the Mariners. No no good luck on uh, bad luck on every turn is just. It's just driving me crazy. But uh, to answer your question, one to ten optimism. You know, <laughs> I saw Marco Gonzalez's start yesterday as oh, well, um, which was just. I mean, for a while there, it looked like batting practice as far as Minnesota was hitting the ball. And, and by the way, Nelson Cruz still hitting the ball well. Two years after being traded from here, still looking good. Um, you know, uh, it's it's hard. It's hard, it's hard, Paul, to feel optimistic. Okay, so the Dare to Dream um, Express is maybe not derailed, but uh, we're experiencing it's delays. In the, it's, it's in the station. <laughs> oh, it's in the station, man. <laughs> they went I, backwards. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean we, we haven't seen Kyle Lewis yet. Uh, you know, yeah, that's just, true. Uh, yeah, well, no, but that's good and bad. We may not see him. Uh, well, this may we'll be a hamstring eventually. thing that, 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 well, you haven't been around long enough, Paul. Oh, you don't no. see the way things work for the Mariners oh, sometimes. No. You know, to, to, to be, to have 20 years of no playoff success besides bad decisions, you've also got to have a tremendous amount of bad luck and inexplicable things happening. And with the Mariners, nothing is too inexplicable. I, nothing is too bad. The, the luck can, can always be worse. It's just unbelievable. All right, I'm fine now. I think I'm a little feverish after getting the shot yesterday. I think that's kind of put me over the edge a little you're, bit. You're definitely fired up, and I do feel the need to walk you off this ledge. Yeah, you just got the second vaccine. It's Friday, Gross. Yeah. Come on. This is, this is a good day. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. But, but um, it's, it's, uh, my optimism is, is about three, and it can go up. You're right, because Kyle Lewis is coming back. But, um, but the Paxton thing was a blow. I mean, I, I think Marco Gonzalez will be okay, unless we find out that there's something wrong with him. 
and this is why he's not pitching well. But, I mean, otherwise, he, he's, he's a proven commodity in my book. So I would imagine that, that he'll be fine unless, unless he's injured as well. So that, that, and look, Akuchi, you know, he, I'm, I'm putting a lot of weight into his second start. Is if he can have another good start, you know that can help with the optimism a little bit. But um, as always, the baseball gods make it very challenging to be optimistic with the Mariners. And by the way, this is the 20th anniversary of the 2001 team, so um, we'll, we'll, we'll have that going on throughout the year when oh when they were great. Yeah, 20 years ago, and last made the playoffs 20 years ago. Man, I'm I'm just so bummed out. So I'm going to change the stop the topic entirely. Gross. Yeah, yeah, good, good move. <laughs> all right, we had a I, I saw this meme on the internet yesterday, and it's basically all right. You have an unpopular opinion about X. What is it? And it's this dude who's like cockily sitting down with like 18 swords pointed at his face. There's a bunch of knives drawn at him. Do you have a Seahawks take that is perhaps? quite unpopular because we we had an interesting conversation about sean alexander this morning Mm, who mm. seems to be and i'm surprised by this but i'm on the outside looking in a guy that even though he produced underachieved that was i think the most interesting unpopular seahawks opinion that got sent in to us today yeah he uh he rubbed some people the wrong way uh, whether it was running out of bounds or or the the fact that his numbers did kind of go away after he signed this big contract. Of course, that's all that'll be put in the context of, of a year that he had, uh, where he um, you know where he was the MVP and uh, produced I think twenty eight touchdowns. So I mean it, it's he he was good when he was here. He it's 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 a little bit of a mystery as to why he's he's denigrated as much as he is, but. You know, I had two unpopular ones that 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 would be unpopular today. Let's would, get them. Would remain. One was that, one was that they should give Jim Mora more time. Oh, this boy. Pete Carroll hiring is ridiculous. Jim Mora <laughs> deserves another year. You only give him one year. You only uh, sitting around waiting around uh, the coach in waiting, and 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 he gets one shot at it. That one that went over like a lead balloon. Oh boy! And then way back, and then way back in the day, the same sort of feeling. Uh, hey, Rick Meyer deserves another chance. I know he can get it together this year. He struggled, but but I know this is going to be the year for him, and uh, that, that was that was never true either. Although to, to Rick Meyer's credit, he did have a long career in the NFL, just as a backup. What a bummer that Rick Meyer is the pick that they make in 1993, and that the Seahawks mm-hmm. aren't a little bit worse, so that you can keep Drew Bledsoe around. Now I'm thankful for right. it because Drew Bledsoe is an important part of my childhood. But man, sure. that would have been something else. Uh, well, yeah, it would have been, and he had the local connection and everything, so yeah, it would have been, it would have been great. Uh, this is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle and Washington, nay the world. Two things that I want to present to you, Graz. One texter is adamant; he wants to know if maybe the Mariners should bring back some of the old fellows. Bring Lou back. Bring back Jay Buner. We need a tough leader. It would be cool to bring some of those guys back, but I do think that Scott Service is trending this team in the right direction. I don't blame what's going on on, on Scott Service, so I'll just say that. And I, I don't think that I, – I, I'm not sitting here thinking that, that the team is going to turn around. Scott Service is likely to be the bridge guy to the guy who actually does turn it around, and I can see him remaining in the organization. So um, I, I don't I, – it's would it, would a guy like Lou Pinello be able to do anything more with this team now that that's being done with him? No, no. I mean, and, and he wasn't necessarily doing that great with the young guys towards the end of his career anyway. So, um, you know, I, I I do think that Scott Service is is a is a bridge guy, but um, you haven't gotten to the bridge yet. 
You haven't built the bridge yet. Yeah. You're still on the other side of the uh, other side of the of the promised land. So no, I, I think you hang with him at this point. But I, I do believe that there will be another manager who will come in that that'll eventually put them over the top. Interesting. That will be interesting to see. Uh, Lou Pinella at this point in time, 77, and given his temper, I doubt that he would have much patience for players from today's generation. Although, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll watch watch with great earnest the Tony Lusa experiment. Yeah, that's which, true. Uh, which with your we White saw Sox happen in Chicago with the White Sox. I mean, they're uh, the team that I'm betting on, and and they're thinking that that uh, Dusty Baker is in his 70s and is doing a great job. Yeah, true. So it can be done. Can be done, but. Um, uh, I'm not expecting it to be done that way. This is the listener question of the day for the Graz. For the esteemed Dave Grosby, on a scale of one to five, with five being mandatory, what number would you rate the Seahawks need to address Bobby Wagner's contract? Hmm. I would, uh, I would make... Uh... To make it a, I guess I gotta, I gotta ask you, ask you for clarification, Paul. Yes, absolutely. Is is this, is this to, is this to, you know, get him set up for a few more years, or is this so they can snag some more, uh, some more room? My assumption would contract? be the latter, because it does feel as if people are looking at Wagner's contract these days, including myself, and are wondering if the production merits the cap number that he is going to get this year, which is north of thirteen million. I would say yes in, in the case of Bobby Wagner. I, I would I would go with number two. I would say it's in terms of urgency, probably probably a four or five. I mean, who else can you ask but Russell? Yeah. And we, we're getting the feeling that he's not going to go for it. But yeah, I, I think and like, again, it's just re, it's just shuffling money around. It's um, it's not taking money away. So yeah, I would think that that would be something they're probably in, in the process of, of trying to do right now. Graz, I love it when you join me, and guess what? Uh, it's going to be a fantastic weekend. Don't don't let these Mariners get you down. You got the two vaccines, and I feel that everything <laughs> is going to be rosy going forward. Have yourself a wonderful weekend, buddy. You too, Paul. Talk to you next week. That is the Graz, everybody, brought to you by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Okay, guys, 206-421-3776 to be heard on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle and Washington, nay the world, 710 710 is the text line tweet me at Galant says, we will take one Ask Galant Anything question. I'm sure it will have something to do with cuisine because I have some of the strangest food takes of all time. Grilled cheese, bleh, I'm not a big fan of that. And, okay, the Seahawks added a corner. Did they make a mistake in passing on bringing aboard maybe a better option at cornerback or maybe letting Shaquille Griffin walk? We'll discuss that next right here on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle and Washington. Nay, the world. You're listening to Paul Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Stop. Drop. Rest in peace, DMX. Thank you for this, Mora. I think we all have. Yeah, this is a great one. He gets you so hyped up. I mean, every single song is just a shot of adrenaline right into your jugular. And it is a shame. He lived a tough life. He had a very tough upbringing. And uh, we are going to miss him. We definitely are. I encourage you, if you haven't, to give yourself a smile today to take a look at, first off, him singing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Yes. Which I find to be hilarious. And if you are someone who uh, can tolerate a little bit of the blue language, 
the rendition that somebody did, a mashup of the Reading Rainbow song television show that was on PBS with LeVar Burton in the early 90s, it's pretty funny. <laughs> I've gone to that several times while feeling down just to give myself a little bit of a pick-me-up. So the Seahawks, they brought back Demarius Randall. Demarius Randall's always been an intriguing player to me. I thought it was strange that he was playing safety with the Seahawks, but last year I took a look at where he had been the two previous stops, Las Vegas, Cleveland. And in those two spots, he had been moved to safety. He was on the 2018 Cleveland Browns. <sighs> yeah. So they moved him to that position from cornerback. But I think this is something you got to keep in mind. And it's strange because he's a small corner. It doesn't really fit the traditional mold for Pete Carroll, who may be going away from that. He is five foot ten. Much like DJ Reed, he is undersized compared to what the Seahawks traditionally look for. Ugo Amadi as well. I mean, Akella Witherspoon, really the only tall guy that's in that secondary. But Randall has played corner before. And honestly, he played well for the Packers for three seasons. The Packers then traded him along uh, with Deshaun uh, in exchange for Deshaun Kaiser and a swap of fourth and fifth round picks. That was when I think Cleveland was just looking to roll the dice and get anything at quarterback, and there was a time where Kaiser was looked at as a potentially great draft prospect. Obviously, that has not worked out so well. So I'm intrigued by Demarius Randall as a cornerback option, and I was surprised that he was used primarily as a safety last year in Seattle, but I guess the cornerback depth chart was a little bit crowded. Look, I trust the Seahawks when it comes to the cornerback position. I think you should too. They have a really good track record with it. And if they are going to move him to cornerback, I do feel like they are going to get the absolute most out of him. Much like I think Kyle Shanahan is going to get the most out of whatever quarterback that they draft, I think Pete Carroll is going to get the most out of whatever cornerback he can. And I do think it was smart to let Shaquille Griffin walk to Jacksonville. That was a big-time contract. And while I love Shaquille Griffin, shout-out St. Petersburg, Florida, high school football, he is somebody that is a good player, not a great player. You give great players contracts like that. 710 710. It's the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle and Washington, nay, the world. A question, Paul. Are the Mariners more in need of a blowout victory or a team unifying brawl? What? Never heard of that. Keep in mind, option involves Tom Murphy making another player a human fossil on the field of life. Okay, this texter is named Ren. Uh, Ren, you are interesting, and I want you to text more. Your mind fascinates me. The idea of a unifying brawl. You know, this is a weird, weird moment in my time watching sports. There was a game in July of 2004 between the Boston Red Sox and New York Yankees. And I remembered observing it. And in the game, Alex Rodriguez and the Red Sox got into it. Like, there was a big fight. Jason Veritek and Alex Rodriguez basically started swinging at each other. So that game happens. There's a bunch of rain delays. And I remember watching the end of it where Boston won in a very dramatic fashion. And I made a $50 bet with my mom that the Red Sox were going to win the American League Championship that year. Not the World Series, just the American League Championship. I thought that that brawl, like in a storybook kind of moment, was going to bring them together and make them think that they could beat the Yankees. Weirdly, it did. But I don't know if I'm going to put that much faith in the baseball gods, seeing as they do not look at us. The clouds and the rain are... Too much, I guess, for them. Huh. Yeah, I'm looking up at you guys. Not cool. James Paxson, what did he do? He's trying just to pitch, man. He just wants to have a successful career. You guys are the worst. 
But our listeners are not. And I thank you very much for tuning in to this entire week of the Paul Gallant Show. To the texters, to the tweeters, to those who call in, to the one and only great and powerful Graz, Dave Grosby, and of course to Maura Dooley behind the glass, who may not appreciate my grilled cheese takes, but honestly no one should because it's, 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 a, it's a tough take for anyone, I think, to listen to. I just don't like cheese. Sorry about that. I am merely Paul Gallant. So long. Farewell. Jake and Stacy with Michael Bumpus in for Jake is next.